Green Starden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Woody, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Lindsay Braylauer. Lindsay is a second-year student in our full-time MBA class for 2022, and she is also a future-year scholar. We talk with Lindsay about her MBA journey, what she did before coming to Darden, uh, what attracted her to the Darden School of Business, also why the Future Year Scholars Program aligned well with her plans and timeline for an MBA program, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Lindsay Braylau. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brad. I Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Um, how are you doing? How's everything? It's good. You know, just got back from DWC. I went to um, Copenhagen and then Sweden with Darden, uh, which was a really great experience. Happy to be back in Charlottesville for sure. Hoping for a little bit of warmer weather soon, but um, enjoying being back and kicking off Q4. Yeah, 36 degrees here in the Washington, D.C. metro does not feel like the end of March. I keep thinking in my mind, since it's cherry blossom mania, here mm-hmm. in D.C., I keep thinking, well, that must mean that it's spring. Um, it does not mean that it's spring yet. It doesn't feel least, like it yet. Yeah, icy grip of winter. We're still in the in the midst of it. Um, tell us a little bit more about your Darden Worldwide course. So for listeners who um, are still getting caught up on all the Darden acronyms, DWC is a Darden Worldwide course. So you went to Copenhagen, and in Sweden, who did you travel with? Who was your faculty member? Yeah, so uh, Copenhagen was just personal travel. So we had um, about two weeks off for spring break. One of those weeks was going to be for the DWC trip. So I went with a few other students to Copenhagen beforehand uh, just for some personal travel, uh, you know, really close by, made it very easy. Uh, it was it was really a lovely place to go. I had a friend who's living out there as well, so I got to visit her too. Um, and, you know, there were a few different groups of us actually all going there at the same time. So we met up uh, a few nights for different dinners or exploring, and that was really good. And then all sort of converged in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, for a week of, you know, class and exploration. Uh, I was there with two professors, actually, because we had a double group. Um, so the first was Mark Lipson, and the second was Yael. I'm not going to pronounce her last name right, so I'll just leave it as Yael. Um, and they were really, really fantastic. I have not taken a class with either of them before, uh, but really got to got to know them through different dinners or getting drinks after events. Um, and so that was a really great part of it. Um, you know, we our class was um, s- centered on sustainability and innovation in Sweden. So really got to understand, you know, the culture and mindset of Swedes around sustainability, talking to different companies, government organizations, um, to see how they've incorporated it into their day-to-day lives. And then, you know, got to do a lot of cultural exploration as well. I think highlight for me was probably going to the Vasa Museum, which is this um, really old ship that sunk right outside of uh, Stockholm, and they were able to recover it um, and turn it into this wonderful preserved museum experience. Um, and just the, like the magnitude and scale of the ship was unreal. Um, and just gave you like a lot of insight into sort of like what, what was going on at the time. And and as a history nerd myself, I, I really enjoyed that, but you know, a lot of fun that went on on the trip as well, going to, you know, the ABBA museum, you know, trying out some local bars, um, eating a lot of, uh, meatballs as well. Uh, so a lot, a lot of fun that went on there. 
it's amazing that you got to visit both Copenhagen and Stockholm. Uh, they have a rivalry about the capital of Scandinavia, which of those two cities is. I think it depends on what country you're in as to, yeah. <laughs> as to the perspective that you might hear, uh, but two fantastic places. I have been to the, the Vasa Museum and seen the shift myself, and it is, it's wild. I, I think it, they had really grand ambitions for it, but maybe mm -hmm. a little, little too, too, grand. Too, too grand, and it sunk immediately. Like, yeah. right, isn't it the story? Yeah, it sunk pretty quickly. Luckily, there wasn't a lot of people on board, so I think there was actually a pretty low amount of fatalities uh, from that sinking. But yeah, they, they built it too high and there was like too many ornamentations and stuff. So yeah, it sank, it sank right away. Um, and, and that's why they were able to preserve it because it was in the brackish waters. So where the salt water and fresh water meet um, and the temperature, I guess, was really good. So it was able to preserve it for hundreds of years. Um, and so they still have the majority of it to this day. And uh, it, I think Yael goes by just Yael here on the yeah. podcast. Everybody who listens to this podcast who's maybe checked out our interview or heard maybe some of our executive MBA students talk about her. Um, she's one of those professors that just gets to go by one name, um, yeah. which is a sign of a certain celebrity. Uh, she's a senior associate dean for professional degree programs for those of you who are less familiar with the faculty lineup here at the Darden School of Business and definitely a lady to know. She is oh, yeah. everywhere. Um, before she got to Sweden, I think she had been in Salt Salt Lake, like Park City, um, and then Boston, and then Sweden. Like, just incredible. She's always doing something. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I've met her through different like social or personal events here at Darden, uh, but not really gotten to take a class with her. And uh, she just brings so much enthusiasm and like a really strong degree of knowledge to like any of the topics. Um, it was just like really fun to travel with as well. Um, so I, I felt really lucky to have had her and Mark on our trip uh, with us. Yeah, Mark Lipson, also beloved finance faculty member. Mm -hmm. He's been on an office hour session with us uh, last summer where we interviewed him about his background and his research interests and all these kinds of things. And I would recommend that episode to anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about Mark because his story is a really interesting one. Uh, he's very involved with Darden before Darden and thinking about academic preparation uh, for the full-time MBA program and very passionate about teaching in the core and, you know, helping students navigate their first and early days here mm -hmm. at, at the Darden School of Business and obviously an, an expert in his field as well. So uh, it was a fun conversation um, to, to host and facilitate. So, Lindsay, tell us a little bit more about your background. Uh, what did you do before coming to Darden? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a double who. So I went to UVA undergrad as well. Um, I guess a notable thing that I did while here was I was I played on the, the squash team, uh, which went varsity during my tenure, which was really exciting and fun to be a part of. Um, after graduating from UVA, um, I was in the, the commerce school. So back for more business, I guess you could say. Uh, I went and worked at Deloitte uh, as a strategy consultant there in New York. Uh, you know, got to travel a lot for better or for worse um, and, and really got to, you know, gain a really strong foundation in consulting. And, and I did a lot of growth strategy work while I was there. So helping mainly um, consumer facing businesses, um, you know, come up with new products or product strategies, enter different marketplaces and, and things around that nature. Um, I was there for about three years um, and then decided to return to Darden um, and, and come get my MBA. And you are a future year scholar. So uh, we talked with Catherine Alford. We talked with Ryan Cox. 
here mm-hmm. on the podcast. So our listeners might know a little bit about the Future Year Scholar Program. It's a deferred enrollment program here at the Darden School. But what what attracted you to the Future Year Scholar Program? How did you decide as a you know, fourth year at UVA that you wanted to apply uh, to Darden through through this opportunity? Yeah, so it was pretty early on in the, the founding of the program. Um, and I had always thought that business school might be a good option for me down the road and was studying for the GMAT uh, during my last semester of my fourth year, um, just because I knew, you know, it lasts for five years and I'm not really going to have as much of an opportunity to study um, and have that time once I enter the working world. So I was I was already working on that and, and planning to take it. Um, and one of my friends actually had heard about the future years program and mentioned it to me. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to come back to school within a two year time frame anyway. And then this really would afford me the opportunity to, you know, test the waters in the working world, see what I like, what I don't like. And there, it was just a no, no lose situation to apply. Um, obviously love, UVA and Charlottesville and could very much see myself, you know, applying to Darden in the future anyhow. Um, so it, it was a great opportunity for me and was a really big win to have that acceptance in my back pocket when I went into consulting. Um, you know, I think it let me try projects or experiment a little bit, um, knowing that if I didn't like things and wanted to take a different course of action that I could always return um, and sort of pivot into a different industry or potentially, you know, dig in deeper to what I already liked um, and sort of accelerate my career in that respect. So was really happy to have that entering uh, my time at Deloitte. We've heard that from other future scholars, this idea Mm -hmm. that just knowing that you have an MBA program in your future allows you to take some chances to try Mm -hmm. some things um, to push a little bit more because, you know, if you don't like it, then you can always, you know, go to go to business school. Um, the mm-hmm. idea for future scholars, I think at this point, it's, you know, work for somewhere between two to four or five years um, and, and then matriculate. Yeah. Garden. Yeah. And I will say, like, maybe I, you know, some people that I know that I've done the program have gone off and and really sort of like pushed the boundaries of what was possible um, and taken really interesting jobs, maybe that maybe even paid less or were for interesting periods of time, um, knowing that they had that like uh, that buffer zone to come back to business school and then move into more of a business career. Uh, for me, I mean, my, going into consulting is definitely a pretty safe career path, I guess you could say. Um, not as, you know, pushing the boundaries, but knowing that I had the acceptance did really allow me to, when I did accept, to craft um, a... Uh, sort of a year where I really got to test the waters and like gain more clarity on the direction that I wanted to go prior to starting business school. And I think had I not have had the Darden future years acceptance, that wouldn't have come to fruition as well. What about Darden appealed to you? Was it, you know, your love of UPA and the idea of additional years in Charlottesville? Was it something else? Yeah. So I think in the beginning, uh, when I, when I first applied, that was the driving force for sure. You know, I hadn't done a ton of research on business schools. I wasn't yet thinking about applying. It was really just like, get the GMAT done, uh, and figure this out later. Um, and I knew that Charlottesville and UVA was a place that I loved. 
Um, I had had a little bit of exposure to darting coming over for, I think it was like a case competition or something once um, and had met some Darden people or Darden alums just through my personal life. Um, and, you know, was like this, this could be a great option for me, not, not fully understanding, you know, the full range of what Darden offers. Um, and as I got closer to really deciding when I wanted to go back, I definitely, you know, cast a wider net and considered other schools as well. Um, I think that was really important for me because while I had this acceptance to Darden, I wanted to make sure that I was choosing it because that was the right place for me to go in that moment of time, not just because it was a default. Uh, so I definitely considered other options. Um, but in the end, I think there were like sort of three areas that really appealed to me about Darden. Um, the first was probably just like the learning environment. Um, I had done some similar type of learning in the McIntyre school um, in undergrad, similar to the case method, but definitely like a much lighter version. Um, and I'm definitely a learner by talker by talking. So that really appealed to me. I really like to contribute and participate in class. It's how I absorb information best. And the, the aspect of the learning team was also something I thought was really interesting um, that you just get really close with this group of people and you can sort of teach and rely on each other to, to build a foundation in these topics. Those were two aspects of sort of just like the educational experience that really stood out to me. Um, the second was definitely Charlottesville. Um, you know, it was a place that I was extremely comfortable that I knew I already loved, um, you know, being in New York for a few years, I missed, you know, being able to be outside and getting to enjoy all those different activities that really made me really happy. Um, and knowing that coming back to Charlottesville meant that I had access to all of that was a huge plus, uh, to me. And then lastly, and I think this was the most important thing. And this really, I, I found from just like talking to alums that I either worked with at Deloitte or through family friends that had come to the school was just really getting a sense of the darting community um, and what made it so strong. I think like being in Charlottesville in particular, you know, you might not have, you know, access to some of the things that schools in big cities offer. But what I do think that does is create this like really tight knit culture um, where people want to be attending, you know, the events that are going on. They want to be getting to know the, the people in their classes. They want to be able to pop over, you know, on an afternoon and grab drinks or, you know, get to know somebody on a, on a deeper level. And, and that was like the, the biggest factor for me that I thought would really appeal. It's interesting that you, you uh, your last point in particular, we talk with a lot of prospective students who oftentimes are living in really large cities and trying to imagine life in a, in a smaller town in, mm -hmm. in central Virginia. And many students have not lived in a place like Charlottesville before, yeah. maybe even for their college experience. And so um, and particularly if you're considering other programs that are in really big cities, I think UVA, Darden becomes probably one of the, the more unknown experiences, mm -hmm. right? Just from personal experience. And so <clears throat> as people try to visualize this, the thing that we always say is like, look, this is going to be very different than, than being in, in New York or Chicago mm -hmm. or one of these big places where you can find top MBA programs. But there's a lot of benefit that also accrues uh, to you as a result of that, um, because school is not just a place you come for class and then you have your life really playing out independent of school. Like there's this layering that happens at Darden because of the fact it's in Charlottesville, it's a smaller school, it's 335 students per class. People are really engaged in the life of the school because again, the school is more than just an academic hub, it's really a community hub. Mm -hmm. And 
that is very different than being in a huge city um, for your MBA. Yeah, I mean, for for me in particular, too, you know, I at first considered schools in New York City uh, just because of the proximity to where I was living, but kind of decided that I really wanted to be all in in my Darden or in my um, MBA experience. And it was a big concern of mine that splitting time between, you know, the friends that I had already in the city, um, I wouldn't be as dedicated to forming those relationships in business school. So it was definitely a pretty conscious choice to not remain in a big city, um, knowing that I wanted to really take the time to meet new people, expand my network, um, and, you know, participate to the degree that that would really make it worth it for me. And people always marvel at the responsiveness of the Darden Network, how close-knit people are. Mm-hmm. And it's a product of the experience, right? People actually yeah. felt connected to the school while they were students. And that connection carries through into their alumni years. Absolutely. I mean, I've definitely benefited significantly from that. Um, I've had multiple work experiences that have come up through different Darden alums. So uh, last year, I had helped a, a recent grad with her startup uh, for, you know, maybe the first semester of school. I, I was very interested in entrepreneurship, and she had spoken on a, a panel during Startup Academy. And so I reached out to her and said, you know, can I help with what you're doing? It sounds really interesting. I'd love to just sort of like shadow you and, and understand what the what the life of a, an entrepreneur or founder really looks like. Um, she was super receptive to, to letting me come aboard for a little while. Um, and then also met another Darden alum who um, ended up connecting me with the internship that I took last summer at the Real Real. Um, he was an awesome person to just reach out to and talk with about, you know, what it looks like to be an entrepreneur and building a startup versus doing more entrepreneurial type roles within a larger company. And that was something that I was really trying to explore during my Darden experience. So not only was he able to be an extremely amazing mentor to me in in understanding where I wanted to sort of exist on that spectrum. But he also connected me with a role that ended up being fantastic and and a really great learning opportunity. These are two really great examples. Are you still interested in entrepreneurship and and ventures? I am. I am. I mean, uh, I I don't want to jump the gun too much, um, but I I sort of found the, the perfect sort of middle ground for myself. Uh, you know, in my time at Darden, I kind of realized that while I loved doing entrepreneurial type activities, I guess you could say, I ne- didn't necessarily have the stomach or the risk profile to go out and, and start my own company or be, you know, employee one or two at, at somebody else's. Uh, that was a little that was a little too much for me. Um, so I found that the incubator space really appealed, you know, getting to or, you know, incubator either within a company or, um, you know, a, a role that helped build new products and ventures. Um, and, and so that's sort of what I'm going to be doing after school. I'm going to be working at BCG Digital Ventures as a product manager. Uh, and what they really do is just work with different corporate partners to come up with new concepts or business ideas that can either be, you know, incorporated back into the portfolio or spun out as their own startups. Um and, you know, it's it's a mix of product managers, designers, engineers, sort of everything you would find in a product organization at a, at a company, but, you know, really focused on building new different things. Um, and that was sort of the perfect medium for me, you know, a little bit of that structure and security, uh, but also the really innovative 
design thinking type work that I thought would be, you know, really energizing for me as well. Well, congratulations. That sounds like an awesome role, Lindsay. And I, I could understand the, you know, given the interest that you've shared, you know, why that kind of work would appeal to you. And um, so it's entrepreneurial um, and helping people kind of think about growing ventures, but you also the risk profile of, of that work is maybe a little bit different to your to use your language. Yes, yes. I also found that I don't necessarily have all the ideas. I like executing on ideas, but I'm not necessarily a good brainstormer in that early stage. Um, so this is this is sort of great. I get to work on other people's problems uh, rather than having to find my own. Well, let's uh, go back a little ways in, sure in your story. So you come to Darden. Um, you're in your second year now and pretty close to graduation. I think mm -hmm. before we were talking, you said you're about six weeks uh, yep. to to the end of, end of your second year and, and graduation's on the horizon. Um, first year, come to Darden. You have a business background. You've gone to the McIntyre School of Commerce here at the University of Virginia. You've been working in strategy consulting for Deloitte. Um, how, was, how was that adjustment uh, to graduate business education? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, Darden's core curriculum, so for those who don't know, the first three quarters of your first year where you are in um, a class with your, your section mates, which is about 70 students um, for, for all the same classes, uh, you know, it's supposed to overwhelm you um, in the way that I think prepares you well for taking on larger roles within a company. You know, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough information, and you're expected to provide perspective at all times. Um, and so it's really a test of, you know, learning how to build those muscles. Um, and so even coming in with a business background, maybe I had a step ahead um, in some of the subjects, you know, I, I was a little comfortable with them. But learning through the case method in the way that we do is, is really different than anything I had experienced before um, and made me think in a really different way. Uh, not only was I learning through my peers in learning team and in class, but also, you know, having to understand industries that I was super unfamiliar with. You know, we cover everything from like airlines to e-sports, e right? Like, it really is a full, the full gambit. And you're not only learning about the topics like finance and marketing, but you really do get a, a strong sense of what all these different industries are like, uh, which I think just like makes you a really well-rounded business person because you can be involved in any type of conversation. And maybe you're not going to be the expert, you know, after coming out of I think I've taken like three or four finance classes now. I still am never going to be the finance expert, but I'll be able to ask the right questions or find the right people who know the things. And that is what I learned in core really gave me the confidence um, to know I'll be able to do that in the future. I appreciate your point about the intentionality of the experience, the extent to which students are pushed and that it's not just work for work's sake. There's a real, there's mm -hmm. a real order to all of it. I, I was just talking about this with the consortium liaisons uh, that were recently recently named. And the thing that I'm always struck by for Darden students in that first year navigating the core is it's probably the first time in their life that they've had to really prioritize, that they come mm -hmm. up against the limit of like, there's only so many hours of the day and I can't possibly do everything. And that is a, that is a new feeling for most people. No, that's 100% true. I mean... You're, I am somebody who likes order and structure in my day, but 
I mean, talk about pushing it to its limit. You, I mean, you have class, you wake up, you have class till, you know, one thirty or so, um, you know, sneak in a quick lunch, maybe go for a run or something and then dive into your cases before learning team. And then, you know, crawl into your bed and try to get some sleep. Um, so it's, it's definitely a full, full day, especially if you're recruiting or trying to be social or, or trying to balance anything else. Um, you know, my heart goes out to everybody with kids. I, I really don't know how they do it. Uh, that's incredible, but yeah, the days are really full and you really have to understand, you know, what, what is the priority? I think one of the biggest things I learned through the experience was being comfortable, um, sharing the workload a little bit more. I'm definitely someone who thought that they could read every single case and answer every single question when I got here and quickly realized that is not possible. You really have to lean on your learning team um, to, you know, help shape your perspective and, and understand the concepts. And I became a lot more comfortable with that as the year went on, which I think is like super important as a manager, because you're not going to be able to have your hand in everything. And you're going to have to rely on your team to be able to provide you with the information that you need to know, and then know what to do with that and ask questions if you feel like you're not prepared enough. Um, and so I thought that was an aspect that was really useful, uh, if not frustrating at times, but was, was important. No, you're right that I think for a lot of students, their lives, at least their working lives, and probably, you know, how you how work fits into everything else that you're going on. It's only going to get more complicated from from here. Your job's right. only going to get broader. You're going to be taking on more scope, more responsibility. You're going to be growing as a leader. And one of the stories that our faculty talk about, particularly in the leading organizations class, is that as you move up in an organization, you have to let go of things. Um, you have to drop your tools is one of the metaphors that they use. And as w this particularly comes up with our executive MBA students. And part of that process is letting other people help you right? and to, to be that specialist or to be that person that's bringing the perspective and maybe doing the thing that you did previously. But now they're reporting to you and you have mm -hmm. you have to take that information and make a decision with it. Um, that's an important skill. And it's good that students in an educational environment have an opportunity to practice like I can't do everything. I have to lean on people and I have to trust my teammates and the sort of social contract of this whole thing. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay, so you mentioned the, the summer after your first year, you went to the real, real. Um, some of our listeners may know that uh, well from internet clothes stuff. Um, yep. <laughs> so um, what attracted you to that opportunity? And, and tell us a little bit more about what you what you did while you were there. Yeah. So, so as I said, this opportunity came through a Darden alum and we, we were speaking and I was explaining to him, you know, what I was interested in and the type of work I wanted to do. And at one point he paused me and said, you know, I think what you're describing is product management. And he, he, he's a, he's a product guy himself. Um, and he said, you know, I think that you should take a, take an opportunity in product management, see if you like it. Um, and I was like, that, that sounds great. Um, and so I, I worked as a product management intern over the summer at The Real Real, uh, which, as you said, is in the, the e-commerce space with high-end uh, luxury um, used goods um, for the most consignment, um, some might say. Um, and so I was on their operations efficiency team, uh, basically working on back-end back products and tools to help, you know, the different uh, merchandisers or customer service, all, all those types of people within the organization. And, and it was really, it was really great. Um, I learned, you know, I got to have my hand in different aspects of the product development life cycle, 
really dove into like how you execute on building a product, uh, working really closely with engineers and designers um, and sort of helping manage that process throughout. Uh, it was really exciting uh, for me towards the end of the summer when we actually got to launch the product that we had been working on and see firsthand the impact that that was making on the day-to-day lives of, of my stakeholders. Um, so that was was really exciting, but I, I really loved the experience. I thought there were like really interesting and complex problems to be solving um, and, and got to work and learn from some really wonderful people. Well, that's great. So you come back to Darden after that summer, and one of the things that we talk about a lot here on the on the podcast is that in the second year, not only are you picking your classes, but you also maybe own your time a little bit more. It's mm-hmm. hard to say that students feel that way when they're navigating core and being new members of the community and, oh, by the way, recruiting and all those things that come with being a first year student through those first three quarters when you're doing the core curriculum. But you get to the second year. And that's where student priorities really are particularly critical as you think about, well, what else do I want to be involved with? And mm-hmm. I wonder what else has kind of filled up your days as, as you've navigated the second year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, when I think about how I like picked my classes for the second year, I think for me, it was 50-50 split between what do I think will be really useful and tactical in, in the type of work I want to be doing post-Darden and then 50% what just sounds super interesting and am I never going to be able to learn about again uh, from, you know, experts in the field. So that's how I really went about forming my schedule. Um, outside of that, you know, in, I'm a what I like to call an active participant uh, in a lot of the different clubs here at Darden, whether it's the Darden Racket Club. You know, I've played a lot of pickleball this year, which is so much fun, or the golf club. I uh, just played in a money money game the other day, which was which was a ton of fun here at Birdwood, which is a golf course across the street. Um, uh, you know, going on the WAC wine bus tour on Friday. So that's been a club that I, I've enjoyed. Uh, but also have actually gotten to start a club of my own called Ladies Tees for grad degrees. So been spending a lot of time throughout the year organizing and shaping what that looks like. And that's pretty much just an organization that promotes golf with women in grad programs. So I found that, you know, I'm a pretty avid golfer myself, that a lot of my female peers that were coming up to me at the end of last year asking if I could, you know, give them a lesson. And as the saying goes, you know, just because you can do does not mean you can teach. Uh, and so I organized a, you know, a clinic with GWIB, which is the Graduate Women in Business Club, which ended up being a huge success. At the same time, I was in a starting new ventures class and wrote a paper about starting an organization that promotes golf with women as, you know, a business tool, social outlet, and just like fun experience and decided I'd actually do it. Um, so I've been spending the year uh, putting on clinics, organizing tournaments, um, and just providing, you know, instruction and, and information to the women here at Darden, as well as the law school, um, and getting them involved in golf, which has been a really big success and a really rewarding experience for me. Well, that's that's an entrepreneurial venture uh, yeah. there, uh, for sure. Um, well, so much. Um, I just want to make sure I have one of the definitions correct. You mentioned whack. Is that wine and cuisine? I'm trying yes, to keep, wine and okay. cuisine club. Often, often referred to as wine and cheese club, which is is funny. But yeah, wine and cuisine club. So they do different events like uh, the wine bus, or I think they're hosting a 
um, joint effort with the School of Brew this week at a brewery and restaurant where they're doing a, you know, a pairing, a tasting. Um, they, they do a lot of really fantastic events, um, and I've been happy to be part of that. Yeah, yet another student organization you can be involved with. We're at 50 plus and counting at this uh -huh. point, but um, no, probably no surprise for folks who've done a little bit of research on the Charlottesville Metro that there would be a wine and cuisine club, lots of great restaurants and a number of wineries in the area. Mm -hmm. You can't say that about every spot in the, in the country. And also a number of breweries um, yep. within walking distance, uh, like all near downtown and of course, if you're willing to drive a little bit, you've got even more options. So, uh, yes, you could that could be part of, of your business school experience here in Charlottesville. Um, so uh, the golf initiative is, is really cool. It's one of those games that I think a lot of people think, gosh, I wish I knew how to play this. Or there's a lot of structural barriers for people mm -hmm. like it's a, the hardest game in the world combined with like, do you have the equipment also are you embarrassed about playing in front of other people because you're a novice golfer? And so I can imagine that like, if you can coordinate lessons or just a place where people could go play and kind of grow in this way, like that, that would be really helpful and impactful for people given how central it can be to, to people's career. Yeah. I mean, I think golf has become less so important for business, but it's still definitely a factor. And, you know, I think with ladies tees, it was about making it more approachable and not creating experts in golf, but make, giving people the confidence that they could always show up and be a part of something that they could sort of have a seat at that table. Um, so just as you said, you know, providing them the outlets and opportunities that they feel like are sort of safer spaces or providing them with, you know, loaner clubs or with the, we, we did like a big merch buy at one point. So that way people could get, you know, the right clothes to wear, um, just all of the like smaller things that people might not know on their own that might be limiting factors or barriers to them, just trying to overcome those and make it as easy as possible for everyone to just get started and, and feel that comfort level that if they do receive an invitation to, you know, a golf outing or something that they could say yes and, you know, feel like they could show up and, and be a part of it. I also want to come back to your elective comment that you were 50-50 split between basically things that you thought aligned with your career and it would be good for you professionally. And then 50%, maybe just classes that you were cur curious about things yep. that you wanted to take. Uh, not to say that you weren't curious about those things that uh, aligned with your career, but just kind of bucketing in that way. You'd be surprised from an admissions uh, standpoint, we get a ton of questions about specialization mm -hmm. and concentration. And I, I understand where that comes from uh, in that I think if you look at some business schools out there, there's a lot of emphasis on specializing and concentrating in a particular area. But I'm always shocked when I talk with folks here on the podcast, uh, when second year students are actually picking their classes, that they might be thinking about their career, but it's not the sole thing that's driving. And there's like this curiosity element. I'm curious what, what your reaction would be if we had a prospective student here with us and was asking questions about specializing. What would you share? Yeah, well, I was really into the idea of specializing when I came to Darden. I was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneurship, corporate innovation, concentrations. Like, that's going to be my thing. Uh, quickly learned that, like, just want to, as I said, take classes that are more interesting to me and that I find practical. Um, it's funny enough that I actually just was looking at 
applying for different graduation requirements today. And you could see which of the concentrations you met the requirements for. And I did hit both of those ones that I intended to uh, without even trying. Uh, but then also hit a few others as well that like, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Um, I think that specialization can be really important in certain areas, especially if you want to establish that degree of credibility. Um, or if there's something, an area that you feel like you might move into later in your career that you want to beef up on now. Uh, but for me, you know, I just wanted to take classes again, that I said were really interesting to me that I felt like would challenge me in different ways. Um, and if they met concentration requirement, great. And if they didn't, that was also fine. Uh, you'll find that there are different ways that people prioritize their schedules, um, depending on the type of year, what else is going on in their life, you know, so there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think that you can specialize if you want. And if, if you would sort of want to embrace the larger extent of what's offered, that's another way to do it. That's just fine. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that perspective. And, you know, we talked about the first year schedule where you have class pretty, pretty solidly from eight to one fifteen, one thirty or so uh, Monday through Thursday, you do have, you have Fridays, um, not really off, but they are a day no, without, without class. Not off. Not off, uh, but you, a day without class. And then second yeah. year, it's been interesting um, talking with folks um, about their schedules. I've heard all manner of different things, but almost to a person, it feels like their classes uh, are starting a little bit little bit later than 8 a.m. Oh, I don't think year. a lot of people, I, I'm an early bird myself, but I wouldn't even choose 8 a.m. classes. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, th it's this quarter in particular, you'll see a lot of people beefing up on Monday, Tuesdays. Uh, so that way they get that nice five day weekend and can go travel or relax or whatever they want to do. Um, I've seen that throughout the year for some people as well, but, uh, I, I mean, I kind of pick classes, not based on the scheduling parameter, more just what, what's interesting to me. But like I said, people do it a lot of different ways. Yeah. It's a uh, 335 or so people you're going to have, you're going to have different approaches, um, yep. as, as folks pick electives. Well, Lindsay, you're a short timer here. Um, you've got, well, six ish weeks or so to go at, at yep. the time that we're recording this, we're recording this in late March. And, uh, I wonder what's on your, your bucket list. Are you going to get the number one ticket at Bodo's? Are you going to go and, and do all the things in Charlottesville you always wanted to do? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish before you graduate? Yeah, I mean, this is year six for me now in Charlottesville. Um, so in my opinion, like anything I've wanted to do, I've definitely done at this point. There's no bucket list that I'm trying to cross off. Um, really, it's just about like saying yes to all the opportunities, enjoying time with friends um, and telling myself that I can sleep over the summer. Um, so that, that's really where my mind is at, is just really enjoying the time left, you know, being outside as much as possible, getting to know my faculty members and, and professors a little bit better, um, and just, you know, living it up for, for what time we have left. Yeah, that like the idea of like, just say yes to things. This is one of the things that came up again in that conversation with the consortium liaison. Um, is they were emphasizing the importance of saying yes and kind of stretching um, and, you know, things that you might not necessarily think about doing. Uh, give yeah. it a try because, you know, you only get to go through business school once. Um, mm -hmm. And so trying to really get the most out of it. Well, we asked the same last question of all of our guests here on the podcast. Wonder if there's a piece of advice, something you would share with our listeners as they contemplate uh, their MBA experience. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, uh, the best piece of advice that I received prior to business school that I've really kept in mind throughout my time here is that of intentionality. Um, I think that if you spend a lot of time with that self-reflection and understand like what priorities you have, especially coming into Darden where there's endless opportunities, it will really serve you well um, and help you navigate the experience to be the best that it can be for you. Um, you know, I've tried to stay intentional about how I navigate my career search, my classes, you know, meeting different people. Um, and, and that's been a really strong North star for me. So I, I recommend that to everybody is, you know, take that time for introspection prior to, to business school and, you know, make sure you take that time throughout as well to reevaluate what's, what's most important because, you know, it, it sometimes it's easy to let things slip by the sides and, kind of go all over the place, but business school has so much to offer that you really just have to be focused on, on what you really want out of it. That's great advice. And I think it's it's true throughout your time in business school. It's particularly true during that first year when you have a mm -hmm. lot of things coming at you and it's very easy to get pulled in a lot of different directions. So being clear about your goals and, and your interests and having done that introspection and, and of course being open to things, but also recognize uh, in a world in which you can't do everything, knowing what's most important to you is is really, really critical. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing um, your story with our listeners. And, and congratulations um, on everything. It sounds like you, you've had a very successful two years here. And um, good luck as you finish out, out your second year. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, looking forward to listening to some other episodes. And that was my interview with Lindsay Braylauer a second-year student in our full-time MBA class of 2022. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, at D-A-R-D-E-N, at Virginia, at E-D-U. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.